This morning we are going to continue our series looking at Jesus' teaching in parables to the disciples and looking at what those stories are saying to us as individuals and as a community of faith here today. This is the last time that we will be thinking about these stories. And over the past lot of weeks, probably since January maybe, we've been seeing on the Sundays when I've been leading the service how stories are a really great way of communicating with people. We've seen that how from infancy right through to adulthood, stories matter. Stories count and stories capture our imagination. We have seen how they are crucial when it comes to transmitting timeless truths across generations. Things that are important to us aren't always in textbooks, but so often are located and found in the stories that speak into the situation of our lives. Because we've seen that stories hold the attention in a way that dry facts often don't. We have seen how stories, whilst telling the reader or hearer something they already knew, always introduces a subtle twist that says, wait, hang on a moment, there's something beneath the surface that maybe you haven't quite seen before. Stories are important. And we've seen during this series how stories speak to us. And I've just seen how the story that I thought I was preaching on isn't actually on my iPad, but an earlier draft is. So you're going to have to just bear with me uh, for two seconds this morning uh, while I find it in my inbox on my phone. Sometimes technology is a good thing, sometimes it's not. And there we go. We can move from the big print to the small print and hopefully uh, we'll be able to follow the story together. Because what we see this morning is that story impacts us. It helps us relate to what is going on. We see that story impacts us emotionally, and once we are made to feel and learn, we then in turn are able to apply those stories to our lives. But this morning, as we come to this story, we're going to ask ourselves the question, why on earth was Jesus talking about goats and sheep? And we're going to ask ourselves the question, well then, why 500 years earlier was Ezekiel also speaking to the people, the exiled Israelites in Babylon, equally about sheep and goats? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot about sheep and goats. As a city dweller, to me, they're roughly the same thing. Do you know what I mean? You find them in fields, they're white, they're mainly fluffy, sheep, goats, same thing in my mind's eyes. But this week, I've learned a lot about sheep and goats as I've began to think and unpack this passage. I've read a lot about sheep and goats, but as always, I've turned to that resource that I love when needing to find information, but never one that I quote in essays, Wikipedia, to see what it might tell me about sheep and goats. And actually, it tells me that there are distinctions between sheep and goats. It tells me that sheep have certain characteristics and goats have others. Naturally, hence, they're not the same thing. Sheep. What is a sheep 
I know, sorry if you're from a more rural background this morning and this is all second nature to you, but I'm sure for some of you like me, this might be a helpful journey to go on. Sheep apparently have a natural inclination to follow a leader. And the leader will most often simply be one sheep that starts moving first. Sheep have a tendency to congregate close to other members of a flock. Their primary defense mechanism is simply to flee in the face of danger. But if they are concerned, they will either charge or threaten to charge. They're frequently thought of as unintelligent, although cute. They they have long-term facial recognition. They're able to differentiate emotional states through facial characteristics. And for the most part, these characteristics that I have read out this morning are quite often characteristics that take on a more negative connotation throughout the years. Calling someone a sheep tends to imply that they are easily led, that they simply follow where everyone else is going. Rather, we admire those who take a lead in society today. Sheep, on the one hand. On the other hand, goats. What does Wiki say about goats? It tells us that goats are actually extremely courteous, curious, and intelligent. It tells us that they are easily housebroken. I don't know about you, but I'm not taking one home today. I'm also told they can be trained easily. They can be used to pull carts or walk on leads. And they're known for escaping, particularly escaping from their pens. And will you hear this? This really shocked me. They're also known for being able to climb on trees. It appears that goats have a real sense of adventure. These, unlike the characteristic of sheep, tend to be characteristics that society today idolizes and indeed encourages. Goats, individualistic, self-sufficient, real go-getters. Isn't that what society loves? Yet as we come to these stories this morning, what we discover is Jesus separating people like sheep and goats. We find Ezekiel talking about the Lord speaking to his people in terms of being sheep and goats. And it's not the goats. It's not those that who are the great individuals and go-getters that are what are to be admired, but rather it is those who follow. What we encounter is Jesus asking us, calling his people to be sheep and to follow him. The first passage that we shared together this morning came from the book of Ezekiel. And it gives us a flavor of two separate exhortations from the prophet to the people. We find Ezekiel saying that God is speaking to not only the religious leaders, but that he's also speaking to the individual members of the community. He's saying to the leaders that they were not keeping the commandments while the people were in exile. That he was speaking about how the Israelite community had been split in two. How the leaders were looking out for their own interests. And the people were like sheep following them down the wrong path away from God's commands. What we find in that reading was how God was saying that the leaders had failed the people. And then, after turning his attention to the leaders, what we see is Ezekiel then, and through the words of God, turning his attention to the individual people in the community. 
They too often, he is saying, have taken on goat-like characteristics. They have stopped caring for one another as members of the same flock and rather, like their leaders, have taken to looking out for themselves. They're exploiting situations for their own gain and to get ahead instead of relying on God and following his commandments to love and to love their neighbors, rather they are loving themselves. So Ezekiel speaking to the leaders and speaking to the individual, and then we come to Jesus speaking to us today, continuing to draw out a point from sheep and goats. Jesus using what for them would have been a well-worn image. Those hearing this story for the first time would have heard echoes as Jesus spoke of all those times in scripture that his people had been referred to as sheep and goats. No doubt these words from Ezekiel were at the back of their minds. No doubt the words that they use when they worship together in the form of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, would have been ringing. And maybe they were patting themselves on the back because they knew that they, as the chosen people, identified with the right kind of thing. They knew who God was. They knew what God was up to, and they had indeed be following him. But then Jesus interrupts, as he so often does, and says, hang on, wait a minute, it's not as straightforward as that. Because whilst on the one hand they may have been following the law, and that's great, They weren't then also feeding the hungry. They weren't giving drink to the thirsty and they weren't helping those who were homeless and they weren't visiting those who were in prison. Because as we come to this reading this morning, the challenge of it to us as it was to them is startling. Because the challenge is saying to us, really, we need to do something. It's not enough to think about it. It's not enough to reflect about it. Of course, each has their place. But actually, there comes a point when actually you just have to get up and get on with it. There were situations, there were opportunities, and Jesus is saying this morning that the people simply weren't interested in them. Jesus is saying that the people were letting them pass them by, and he's asking us this morning, are we responding the same way? Are we letting them pass by as we see them? Are we looking at them and then turning a blind eye? Or are we going out there and being salt and light? Are we being hands and feet? Are we putting these words into practice in our homes, in our families, on our streets, in our communities, across our world this morning? I came across a quote this week. Two quotes, actually, that I think sum this up for us together as a community. One from a long time ago and one from a writer-stroke-preacher of today. Firstly, the one from years ago is reflecting on the parable of the Good Samaritan, which has at its core some of the thoughts and ethos of what Jesus is saying this morning in this parable. The commentator says... How easily we let a sentence like God is a God of love pass over our lips. It even sounds a bit trite. But just let Jesus stand in front of us and look at us when we say the words, 
And at once, this pious little saying becomes an accusation. Then, all of the sudden, we hear it spoken by the beggar we shooed from our door yesterday, from the servant we dismissed, perhaps from, uh, sorry, from the servant girl we dismissed, perhaps because she was going to have a baby, the neighbor whose name has recently been dragged through the newspaper because of some disgraceful affair, whom we let know in the ways that we walk, uh, sorry, that we let know we walk paths that are straight and narrow. Suddenly we hear them all speaking it because it is something to do with all of them, not only with the God who dwells above the clouds, for in them the eyes of the Lord himself is gazing at us. We find this morning as we come to these readings that those who inherit the kingdom are those who have responded to the needs of others through an act of love, through an act of concern, and through an act of ministry. That they have probably done at considerable cost or risk to themselves. But no matter what they could do, we see that goats do the opposite. And there's a stark warning at the end of our reading to those who do the opposite, because we read that God will say to them, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. The seriousness of this matter of helping the needy is seen in those words. And so how are we going to respond? What is our response going to be? And as we begin to think about what our response is going to be, we come to the words of the second writer that I was talking about, Barbara Taylor Brown. Reflecting on the story of the sheep and the goat, she says this, For sheep and goats alike, the surprise is not, is Jesus is not somewhere, but rather he is everywhere, and especially with the least important people who populate our days, whoever they may be. God sees, God knows, and God will judge us according to how we behaved when we thought God was not around. And if that is true, she goes on, that Jesus is present in every single person whose path crosses ours, particularly in the least ones, the lost ones, and the ones we would have never expected. What we do knowing that everyone we meet is Jesus asking for something to eat or drink or for some attention, asking us to speak where he can or she cannot to injustice, what we do matters. This morning, we are called to radical acts of service. She concludes by saying this, there seems to be one thing that sheep know how to do that goats have never tried, to look, to see, to seek Christ in the least, the lost and the least. Who are the lost and the least for us today? Maybe we drove past them to get here. Maybe we didn't even need to drive past them. Maybe we just walked past them in the street. Maybe they were actually 
in the house next door to us this morning. How are we going to respond to this challenge and call today as individuals, but collectively as a congregation here in Fitzroy and as a denomination within the Presbyterian Church? This morning, we will be judged by how we respond. So let's take small steps. Let's just do something because nothing is not an option. When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus' words echo not just then, but echo here and now. Can you hear it in your ear? Can I hear it in my ear? Can we hear it in our collective ears this morning? What are we going to do? Or are we just going to be goats? Are we going to see it and do nothing because it's easier? Because it's more straightforward? Because we won't have to get our hands dirty? Because it might not hurt our reputation? Those aren't reasons. They're excuses. So this morning, as individuals and a congregation, as we come to the end of thinking about these stories that Jesus shared then and shares with us today, let's not find ourselves looking for excuses, but let's find a stumbling doing something. Let's just begin. Let's just hear the challenge. Let's just respond to it. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, as we think about your words in Scripture, we hear the words of St. Teresa's timeless blessing echo in our ears. Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion is to look out to the world. Yours are the feet with, with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands which Christ will use to bless all people now. We hear those words, and if we're honest, they scare us. They scare us because they know that they challenge us to the very core of who we are. But that is what you're all about. Constantly out looking for, constantly out seeking, constantly out longing to bring people into relationship with you. People outside societal norms. People who are no longer statistics, but actually heartbeats. People who matter to you. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you have given us to serve you in the past. And we thank you that we have followed you. But we realize that you are not a static God who remains caught in a moment of time, but rather a God who was constantly calling his people onwards, constantly calling them forward, constantly calling them on a journey. And so we pray, give us the courage to put one foot in front of the other this morning and to continue that journey, and to follow it wherever it may take us, wherever it may take this church, wherever it may take your church throughout the world, because we know that you are doing something. And this morning we pray that we would be caught up in it, and that we would be part of extending your kingdom, that words would become reality, that thoughts would become actions, and that ultimately we would be caught up in your will, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.